thought we were getting right back into it here. I want to go to the Lord in prayer this morning. I'm going to pray over our word, pray over our message. But before we go into that, a couple of things. One thing is I just want to thank our the leadership team and all the ladies that participated. They had a big weekend with the ladies' conference, and uh, we just appreciate everybody involved, everybody that served and was a part of that. I've heard uh, nothing but wonderful things from the weekend, so I want to thank you all for participating and being a part of that. Also, as a, as a way to start our message with special prayer, uh, just a few weeks ago we had a gentleman here. His name is John Childers. He's one of the executive uh, officials over the Church of God, and uh, he was here just a few weeks ago during Family Fun Fest. Well, this past week, completely by shock and out of the blue, his uh, daughter-in-law, who is 36, passed away. Very unexpected, very shocking. Two little girls. She's married. They, uh, I believe, they were youth pastors in Tennessee, and uh, their family is connected all over the Church of God, all over here in the state of Ohio. Her mom has worked in our state office for years. And uh, she had another sister, has another sister that's a pastor's husband here in the state, has another sister that works here in the state. So we just connected all over the place. And uh, very shocking, very surprising. Uh, she went home to be with the Lord, but they have a broken family, a lot of broken hearts and people to be concerned about on this side of things. So we want to pray for them, especially. It's a huge, huge funeral that's going to happen in Tennessee tomorrow in Cleveland. That's where they were uh residing at the present time. That's going to be tomorrow. The funeral is tomorrow. They're doing a big visitation today, and uh, we want to pray for that family. Um, also, the pastor had went to spend time with his family, uh, but he is, you know, for the kind of for the weekend, but he is staying, and we'll be down there for the, uh, today, tomorrow, as a part of that. So we just want to pray for that family and uh, just lift them up, and we're going to do that as we pray over our pray over our preaching today, we want to do that. I want to share this scripture with you and then, then we'll pray. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 10 verses 40 through 42 says this, he who receives you receives me and he who receives him who receives he who sent him who he sent him who sent me he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of the disciple, assuredly, I say to you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you, God, for your presence that's here. God, there's no amount of appreciation no amount of money, no amount of effort that we could put on what it means to have your presence here in our service and in our life. God, we thank you for your love and for your touch. Thank you for your presence, God, that we felt here. Lord, we pray that that same presence, the same love, the same care, God, the same uh, touch would go to Tennessee today, that you would wrap your arms around a hurting and broken family, that you would be with them and take care of them, God, as they are shocked and stunned. Lord, I pray that you would bring peace to them today, that the Childers family, the Bonin family, God, all of them, I just pray that you would wrap your arms around them and love them and take care of them, and God, let them feel your peace, Lord, and let them feel your strength and power that they can go on. And God, we pray that you would be here with us in our service today, Lord, as we've come together in your name to honor you and lift you up, God, we've come to be in your presence and to hear from you. So I pray that you would anoint, Lord, the words that are spoke, 
Lord, let it not be the speaker, but God, let it be your presence that would touch the hearer today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. You can grab your seat there. The scripture that I shared here ends with the uh, description of a cup of cold water. It says, he who receives one of these little ones, who, who he and whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in a disciple's name, assuredly, I say to you, he shall by no ways lose his reward. This little description talks about this cup of cold water. It's pretty much could be considered the motto of servanthood. Either this or the, uh, the talk of Jesus getting down with the bowl and washing the disciples' feet. These two stories pretty much are, are the motto, the banner for serving. And this cup of cold water uh, thing describes uh, pretty much the process of serving. So it's, not, it's, it's a motto, and it's beautifully crafted the way the Word talks about it. And, and the cool thing is about it, it shows us some things about serving that are so, so cool. The first thing it shows, it says that, it, that it's whoever, whoever, meaning you don't have to be somebody special. You, haven't, you don't have to necessarily achieve a certain rank or be a certain person to be able to serve. Serving is something that everybody can do. And it talks about even a cup of cold water, a gift. It says that even if you, basically it's saying if you give something so small as a cup of water with the right heart and right intentions, it, you'll be rewarded for that. That will make the difference. It's saying that it doesn't matter necessarily the gift then. So it doesn't matter. You don't have to be a special person. And it doesn't mean, and it also says you don't have to have a special gift. It doesn't have to be big and extravagant. Basically what this, it's actually talking about kind of a scale. You know, serving can be massively huge or it can be something as so small as even a cup of water. And it also says, it says, in the name of, you know, it talks about giving the water in the name of. That kind of speaks of the intention and the honor and the respect behind giving the water. Uh, giving and serving is about the intention of what's behind it. Uh, the, uh, it's about the heart and being in the right place. It's the intention of the heart. Serving is about three things. The server's heart, the service, and those who are served. Our challenge is to serve. Our challenge is to serve. We talk... Last week, Pastor talked about, he said, if you love God, you're going to do something. You're going to do something about it. You're going to do something. And it is part of our vision statement as a church is the last thing on the list here, so to speak, of the four things is to serve the world. It should be a, a, a hallmark of who we are and what we do. We should be serving and loving and giving everywhere we are and taking care of people. We should be serving. I've got to think about this. In the last, uh, over the last week, I was thinking about serving, and I kind of come to this point, and, and I was running these thoughts through my head. Sometimes, I've got to fix that tile right there that's been bothering me. Sometimes I have these conversations with myself. Most of the time, they're not audible, so you can wipe the sweat from your brow. I have these conversations with myself, and I, I say, I'm thinking of that cup of cold water. I'm like, and, and I talk to myself, and I'm like, man, if people understood if they would just do something little, if they, if they could just do something little with the right intentions, man, they would make, that makes all the difference. When it's anointed, when it's touched by God, you can do something very little and change the whole world. And, and I'm like running this thought over my head, and I'm like, 
man, if we could only just do, do a little something. And when I, <coughs> often when I, sorry, I adjusted my throat in the mic there. A lot of times when I think of these, uh, like when I think of serving and think of, you know, just doing the little things, I often think of like an athlete or somebody famous. A baseball player can take 30 seconds before a game, see a kid in the audience, go up to him, up to the rail, take a ball and sign a ball and say, hey, thank you, you know, to a kid, and a kid's eyes will light up. Wow, I can't believe, you know, this player who I love, he actually took the time, like it's 30 seconds, enough energy to, you know, write a name will make a difference in somebody's life for the rest of their life. They're going to remember that until the day they die. They're going to be a fan for life, probably tell everybody they know about it, tell their family about it, you know, tell their kids about it. Serving, serving. And I, and I think of that, I'm like, man, that's such a little effort, but such a big impact. So I kind of think along those lines. So I was thinking about this week, you know, and I was thinking of those things. And I kind of listened to myself a little bit. And God kind of stopped me in my tracks and kind of spoke to me about that's what the problem is. That's part of what the problem is. And I'm like, so I spent a lot of time thinking about it and going over it. And I want to share those thoughts with you today. Today's about a cold cup. That's the name of the message. But today is really not about serving at all. It's about who we serve. And it's about why we serve. And we're here on this earth, number one, to serve God, absolutely, to praise him with our energy, with our thoughts, with our mind, with everything we do. But there's something that's secondary important to that, and that's to see people and to serve people, to love people, to take the time out of our life to get focused and see what's going on around us and see broken hearts and broken faces and to love people and to make a difference in this world. If we're not careful, this world and this life and everything in it will keep us so busy that we can't see the people that are right in front of our faces. We can't see them at work. Sometimes it's so bad we can't even see them right in our own house. We've got to understand that we're here to love people. So I was thinking, and, and I, I was thinking of what I was talking about serving. I was thinking of the appeal, of the appeal of the convenience of it as a selling point. You could do something so small, and if we're not careful, it'll come out like this. It'll, it'll look like it's a little effort. It'll look like there's a little time involved. It'll look like there's a little energy involved. And we're, if we're not careful, that will translate over to very little heart. Very little heart, and that's where it's supposed to be coming from. Serving, it, by its very nature, isn't about the act, big or small. Serving isn't about the server, but those who are served. It works when the heart is sincere. Like the widow with the two mites, Jesus is sitting there with the disciples, and they watch the people bringing money and drop it into the collection box there at the temple, and this little lady drops two coins in it, two mites. And Jesus says, hey, she's given more than anybody else. And of course, you know, they respond. You've heard the story before. The disciples are asking, what are you talking about? And he says, look, it's her, the intention of her heart, what was behind it. Giving is about what's in the heart. It's about giving what's in the heart. Priority on the act of service. If service is first, what I do, if that's priority, if that's first, then I've really cheapened the act of my serving. If I serve for the sake of serving, I'm missing the point. 
Recently, I did a, a uh, I was part of a funeral for a young man, and I was taken back by the family, described the young man about how much he loved his family, and about how much he loved his friends, and about how he would do anything to serve them and help them, fix cars, mow yards, go pick you up on the highway if you got a broken down car in the middle of the night. And I, it dawned on me as they're talking that one of them mentioned how rough his hands were from the work that he had done. And it dawned on me this. His hands weren't rough from the work. His hands were rough because his hands were a direct connection to his heart. He loved his family. He loved those people around him so much that time didn't matter. The constraints of life didn't matter. He was going to go the extra mile and love his family and love his friends and serve them. And this was just the expression of what was already in here. And I, I was quite impressed by it. I got this picture of his hands being connected straight to his heart. And, of course, it took me back to what Jesus has done for us. In a very true and real way, Jesus went to the cross and he took matters into his own hands. The scripture talks about, there's some dialogue there and some different things that talk about him and Doubting Thomas. And he says, check out these nail prints on my hands. He literally took the work, the serving, into his own hands and, and, and followed this thing through. But if you will, the service, it's not just about the nails in his hands. And it's not just about the cross although that's beautiful and wonderful, and that's the expression of what he's done for us. But what matters most about that picture is what was inside of Jesus' heart. You were inside of his heart. The thought of you down through history and time was in his heart, so he was able to stretch out and, and go the extra mile. He was able to say, no, for this reason I've come to this earth. For this reason I'm going to walk these streets and pay this price. It's for the price of my people because I love them. I love the Father and I love my people and I'm willing to serve. I'm willing to do whatever it has to take because I love them. That's what it was all about. And he took those things into his hand. He was fueled by love. Like the old song says, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. Serving is not about serving. Serving is about people. I made this joke in the first service. And I talked about, I, I was just talking. I like, I like serving. I, for whatever reason, and I have a reason for, for saying this. I like serving. I've set up so many tables and chairs in the church over the years. When I get close to chairs, when I walk by chairs, they start rattling and, and they, I have to like, whoa, they're like trying to get in my hands. I put up so many chairs. But, but check this out. If, if I set up a thousand chairs, what, whatever the situation is, and there isn't something down in my heart that's connected to a reason behind what I'm doing. If, if I'm not connected to somebody or, or, you know, a group of people, then I'm wasting my time. I'm creating something that doesn't matter. I'm creating something that would probably just feed my ego and make everybody happy. But the intention of the heart is where we need to be fueled from and where we come from. I want you to hear this, and I'm going to try to say this clearly. If we serve and we do not have people in mind, if we do not have a reason being people in mind when we serve, we are merely doing a job. 
we're just we're just doing a job. All right, here we go. I done I, I done my part. We're doing a job. And if we do a job, church, if we are just doing a job, you know how easy it is to not do a job. You you've all you all work, you all have jobs. If you had, you know, one day you might think, well, I can use some of my sick time today. I just don't feel like doing my job, you know. If we're not careful, we'll turn serving. If we forget why we were doing it, why we love people, if we do not, if we can't remember that, then it'll turn into a job, and it's easy to be like, walk away from a job. We got to serve. We got to love people. Love people first. Love people first. Serving is about loving people. Loving God first, serving God first, and loving people second. Mark chapter 12, verse 29 says, Jesus answered him and said, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first commandment and the second is like it. This is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Loving is the reason for serving. Loving God is the reason for serving. Serving is not an action, but a reaction to God's love and the work in us, and then a reaction, a reaction to the love for people. No matter your calling, listen to this. I think we get, we get off track. We get busy. We get focused on so many things. No matter your calling, missionary, pastor, father, nurse, whatever you feel like you're called to in your life, it's about serving people. It's about serving God, and it's about serving people. It's always about serving people. It's always about people. If you feel you're called to sing, hallelujah, it's about God using you to touch people's lives. It's about you having a responsibility to serve people that are in your life. It's always about them. It's never, it's never really about you. It's about you understanding, hey, this is who I am and this is who I've called to be. Now I've got to figure out how to get to work. It's about loving people. It's always about loving people. Serving is always about loving people. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. This scripture that we talked about, you know, it's the, the big one. Love God, love people. And it's so cool that it's, we've articulated that, we've been led by the Lord and articulated that out in our vision. Embrace God, connect with one another. See, God does always, you know, God gives us a command in his word and sometimes if, if you know, maybe we haven't matured or something, you know, we'll feel like, man, those commands are just there and they just tell me how wrong I am. But the cool thing about the commands in God's words is they're like, uh, like safety barriers, there's always a, something about them that's going to keep you safe when you follow them. And this is true, plays out in this, love, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. Because God already understands that we have a tendency to narrow in the focus. And usually we're in the center of that focus. He knows that humanity is, has a tendency to, to narrow in on us. So he lays out this command and says, love your neighbor as yourself to kind of keep us, keep our heads up. Keep us watching and looking and loving around us. Keep our attention up. And God gives us commandment in this in his word to keep that going. All right. So we're at a good place here. I want to show you a picture. 
We're going to have a little interactive time in our service today. I want you to study this picture. I'm going to run a few things by you, and you can kind of see where we're going. And the big thing I want you to do is just look, look at the picture. Some things that we can probably pick up from the picture. One is, is that these children are probably from a third world country. They don't, if you look at them, they don't look like they have decent clothes. You know, kind of look at the other uh, clues there. They probably have trouble finding food, and we don't know where their parents are. Maybe they're right there, maybe they're right there with them, maybe they're not. Just from looking at this picture, in our experience, we can probably narrate most of their lives. And it's a big spiritual lesson, and, and it's not, it's elementary. But this is the big, big spiritual lesson that I want you to get from looking at this picture. You see them. You're looking at them. You can actually see them. You see their needs. You see some of the issues. You see some of the things that are going on in their life. What's the big spiritual revelation? You were just looking at them. You, you were just paying attention to them, giving them some time and attention, and right away you see them. You, all of a sudden, you see all these needs. You probably, if you have any kind of heart, you, all of a sudden you, your heart's broken. You can see them, and you're, you're like, oh, man, if we, maybe we should take up an offering, or is there a way that I could make a difference for them? The big revelation is you just see them. You just see them. So this is going to be wild. But if there's at all possible, Austin, can we turn up the house lights just a little bit? All right. Okay. I want to do this with you. This is the thing. We can watch TV at night, and we can see commercials with the homeless folks on it, be touched, you know, see the starving dog out, shaking out in the cold, and we're like, we want to do something about that. Not, not taking away from any of that stuff. But you're seeing it. There's a lot of needs in this world. There's a lot of them sitting right in the pew next to you. Some of them right behind you. There's sickness. There's homes that are barely hanging on. There's people that are broken over their job or their kids. They're, they're right there sitting next to you. You know, we don't want to be, you know, we don't want to be disrespectful. You know, I'm not going to point anybody out, so to speak. But they're right there next to you. And what the, the big thing that they need is, is I just need you to pay attention to them a little bit. Look at them. It's not always as obvious as this picture, but, but sometimes it is. Let, let me ask you this question. We're going we're gonna to get our minds wrapped around this a little bit. I want you to do this with me. Who has ever lost a job because the business closed down? Not because of your fault, but because the business closed down. If you would, would you stand? Stand up so we can really see you. See how many people, business has closed down and you lost your job. You see these people? That's lost wage. What am I going to do about my family? What about my house? What about my car? What about my insurance? It's all those things, all those emotions, all those hurts. You can sit down. It's all those things wrapped up. There's quite a few of you that have been there. That's, that's a need that, that maybe you have experienced that you could share with somebody else or Maybe somebody else didn't know that you had went through that. Maybe there's some, some healing and some hurts there that you could, you could love on them and talk to them and, and help them through. The needs are out there, but the needs are also in here. Check this out. Who has ever been disappointed in somebody that you trusted? 
Would you stand up? Somebody's ever, you gotten disappointed in somebody you trusted. Look at that. How many people, probably some of the worst things that can happen in your life, you can, you can be seated. Some of the worst things that can happen in your life are when you've trusted somebody, when you've put yourself out there and somebody's disappointed you. Talk about broken hearts. There, there are people that are not at church today. People at church today because somebody hurt their feelings. And it might have happened last week. It might have happened 30 years ago. But think of the hurt that's in this room just over some disappointments. What could we do to put an arm around the shoulder or just see somebody? Just see somebody and love them and pray for them. Try to encourage them. Get a connection to their life. And the, the big lesson is there is you've just seen them. You just went out of your way to love them. Last one, and we're done with this object lesson. But I want to know who has lost a loved one in the last three months. You've lost a loved one in the last three months. Would you stand if you care to? Lost a loved one in the last three months. Several. That's a lot of broken hearts. That's a lot of hurt folks. That's a lot of people, Jamie, that after a little bit of time, maybe people forget about that. They kind of forget about it and they go on with their life. But it's only been three months or less. We need to, to love you. We need to love you. We need to love you guys. See the need. Okay, you can see, be seated. You see what's happened? We've turned somebody from a face in the audience to somebody that's hurt, somebody that's real, somebody that's just like you that needs love and care and needs somebody to pay attention to them. Maybe we talk to... Uh, Maybe we talk to somebody that's lost their job and we have a connection on another job so we can serve them and help them. But if our heart is not there to love somebody and to reach out to them, then we're going to miss it. See the picture? It's not on the screen that's so distant, but it's right in your pew. Right in your pew. You know something about the people you go to church with this week that maybe you never knew. It's your friends. It's your family. It's your church family. The people at your work. They need someone to love them, to see the person, connect with a person, meet a need, serve the person, and not just serve the serving. This coming Friday night, this coming Friday night, we have a thing here at the church called Respite. And Respite is this ministry that we do every other month, and it's a ministry to children. It's a ministry to children that have physical, mental, emotional needs that are, ex, you know, extreme outside of normal life or something, you know. They come in, some of them are in big wheelchairs. Some of them come in with backpacks with special food and special medicine. Some of the kids come running in, ready to have a blast. Some come in going really slow. But the, the, see the kids. See their hurt. See their life that they're having to figure it out and deal with. See parents coming in, holding their kids like they've come off the battlefield. And they're like, can you watch my kids for a few hours? Can, can you please give me a break for just a few minutes? See those people. See those kids. It's not just... 
we got to serve three hours on Friday. Come on, can, please, can you give me three hours on Friday? Please, it's not that big of a deal. Just give me three hours. And I don't say that to make you feel guilty, but I, I say it to say this. I don't want to ask you to come and serve and appeal to you by the convenience of it necessarily. If we just do it because it's convenient, we might spend half the time watching our watch and, and walk away. But I want you to see the people. I want you to see the need. One, one, one of the times I stood at the front door and greeted people as they come in, one little kid, as soon as he come in, threw up all over the place. And, and this is what it is. But there's something inside of me. There's something inside of me that I know as much as I know anything that God has given us an opportunity to love people and to love those kids that takes time and takes effort and takes something special, they say, to have a young person in your life like that. To them to come here and for us to get an opportunity to serve them, my heart was broke. And when that kid threw up on the floor, I wasn't thinking about the smell. I wasn't thinking about how we are going to do it. I broke, and I tried to get over there to help him as quick as I could. And there were several others that did too. See the people. You can, you can serve this Friday at 5.30, 5.30 to 9.30, I think it is. You can go through the church app, call the office, and you can say, I want to serve a restroom. Walk around with a kid and make sure he has fun. Walk him and make sure he gets some pizza. You know, check a few kids and what, whatever the job is, but see the kids, see the need. We're, we're doing a big concert this weekend, huge outreach with a pretty substantial artist, Plum, is going to be here this weekend. And she's coming for the sake of putting on a concert, but they're going to be focusing on anxiety, people with anxiety. There's a lot of people in a lot of anxiety. But past the glory positions... You know, there's only so many people that will be on the stage that night. There's only so many people that can make sure there's fresh cut fruit in the room for plum. We need a clean building because there's going to be hundreds and hundreds of people here that night being ministered to. We need clean restrooms. We want the floor to be clean. We want the place to be sparkling because all these people are going to come in and say, you did this for me? Yeah, we did this for you, for God and for you. We want to love you and want to see God make a difference in your life. So we're asking for people to come, be here before the service to help clean, to greet people, come after the, the concert that night, and get the church ready so we can have church the next day to clean. You can talk to Nicole uh, Locke. You can go online, check in on our app. Uh, you can go on our Facebook page and sign up for those things and be a part and serve and make the difference. And, and I just want to narrow in our focus that those are the ways to really serve people, to keep it all in focus. To, to, like I said, we could just say, hey, can you come clean the church? You're going to have a million responses to that. But we're not asking you to come clean the church. We're asking you to come and serve people because God's going to make a difference in their life. But anyhow, so how do I really see people? I'm going to get through this real quick. We look at the life of Jesus, and he will give us every one of the clues that we could ever need about really focusing on people. And I have some specific things that I'm going to throw out here to you, but it's not an exhaustive list, as they say, as, as somebody really more educated than I would say. Uh, 
what would Jesus do looking at his life? What would he do that would help him to see folks? One is sacrifice. John 12 and 27 says this, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say, Father? Save me from this hour, but for this purpose I've came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. We need to live every day as a sacrifice. Not waking up, necessarily having a million things on our minds, but God, I lay down my life today. I'm here to... I'm here for a reason. I'm here for a reason, God. I want to be crucified. I want to take up my cross, as Brother Brian said. I want to take up my cross today, and I want to be here on purpose. We need to keep that in our hearts and minds. Another thing that we need to do is remember that it's inconvenient. Looking for people and loving people is inconvenient. Jesus knew this all so well. Every time it turned, they turned around, Jesus was going a different way. Hey, Jesus, don't you realize you're supposed to go this way? Jesus was talking to a certain person, and they were like, hey, Jesus, don't you know you're not supposed to be talking to that person? Even the way he came in the manger. Hey, you're the Messiah. What, you, were, you were not supposed to come this way. You're supposed to come a different way. Life, when you care about people, is not about inconvenience or convenience. It's about saying, God, I'm here. I'm here to be yours. I'm here to be in a situation where maybe the impossible becomes possible. I'm here, and I'm not going to let inconvenience be the thing that dominates me. Another thing that we need to do is just flat out be intentional. That's not as spiritual as you would like it to sound, but I, I run through a list in my mind of people that I want to pray for every day, and I make that list based on, hey, I don't want to forget them. One of the things that we need to do is just set reminders in our life that says, hey, Get your face out of the ground. Look up. Look at people around you. Put a note on your mirror in the morning when you get ready, and it says, love people. It's just something. Be intentional about being focused and being there. Another thing that we need to do flat out is absolutely get in our prayer closets. Get on our face and get in contact with the Lord till he transforms us, changes us, moves on our minds, moves on our hearts, and creates a new person inside of us. Do that, become that, work that through, pray that through, live that through, and see that he transforms your life in his presence and in his word. 2 Corinthians 3 and 16 says this, Nevertheless, when it turns to the Lord, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. We need to find our place, find ourselves on our faces, and get a hold of God and let Him transform us and change us. And speaking of the Spirit of the Lord, that's the last thing that I want to mention, is the Holy Spirit. We need to have the Holy Spirit alive and working in our life. We need the conviction. We need to be led by the Spirit and do what we're supposed to do based on what He says and not just necessarily what is most convenient. But listen to the Lord and let Him tell you to take that extra away when you walk to your desk at work. Let Him tell you to do this. Let Him tell you to do that. Let Him lead you and speak to you so that in your little serving, all of a sudden, it means something that never could have on its own, anointed and power. We need to be led by the Spirit in everything that we do. That's when that little cup of cold water all of a sudden will take on a whole life of its own. We need to be agents of the Lord in this world. We need to see people. What would happen? What would happen if we see people? 
Maybe that person that's so angry at your work would maybe be healed. Maybe the person that used to be your friend that's so distant now all of a sudden would be pulled back. Maybe the folks at church would not just be the folks at church, church, but they would become your family and friends. We need to see people for who they are. We need to see what happens if we really start seeing people. We're challenged in ourselves to not hide behind issues, not hide behind problems. It's very easy to, to get busy and stay busy and not see people for who they are. Seeing people for real actually opens up a can of worms for us, and we're like, uh-oh, I've got more problems than what I thought. Get ready for it. When we start loving people, it's going to happen. Some people say, some people say, you know, when they talk about loving people at the church, it, or, or, you know, sometimes people outside of the church will say, well, I don't like going to that big church because nobody's close. Well, I would ask this question, why not? Why not? Now, I know, I know, I can't be best friends. I'm, I can't have a barbecue Friday and invite all of you to my house. I, I don't have enough money for that. I can't do that, you know. And, and I'll probably get arrested, you know, for having too many people. But I can, I can try to be close to a bunch of people. And you can try to be close to a bunch of people. And you will say, well, I've got my ten friends. i got my ten Pastor, you're not talking to me. I got my tent already. Woo. No, I am talking to you. Because you need to get outside of the tent. And 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 your tent doesn't mean, well, that's my tent. No, it means I'm going to get outside of that. My my group is going to overlap with this group of people. This group of friends is going to overlap with that group of people. Well, until everybody's one big group, until where we our friends are are so they sit in our pew, or maybe they even sit on the other side of the church, all the way over there. Maybe they do. There's no reason why we can't be close, why we can't get our eyes looking around and getting focused. Anyhow, that aside, we need to be loving people, looking to people, and trying to be there for them, really see people. I want to share this story with you. I've got one more picture here, and I want to share this story with you. John Harper was a Baptist pastor at the turn of the century from Scotland. He had given his life to Christ at the age of 14. His parents were Christians. He began preaching, preaching, and preaching. He was taken note of because revival was breaking out wherever he was. And the higher-ups in the church noticed him. They gave him a church. And he started with 25 people in just a couple of years. A little bit of time, it already went to 500 people. People were being saved and revival was spreading all over where he was holding meetings. Tremendous revival was breaking out. At one point, he was even asked by D.L. Moody in Chicago at that time who was running revivals there to come to the United States and be in revival. He came to the United States and was in revival for a few weeks. He went back home and kept the work. A year later, he was contacted again to come back to America and hold revival again. So he did just that. Hopped aboard a ship and was headed back to America. That ship just happened to be the RSM Titanic. April 14, 1912, the boat collided. That he was on collided with an iceberg. 
You'll never believe what happened. If you know the story, you know. But if you don't know the story, you'll never believe what happened. The boat wrecks. They begin to sink. Things are happening. They're putting the women and children on boats. John Harper has his daughter because he was a widow and his sister with him. They were going on the trip with him. He gets them in one of the lifeboats and makes sure they're safe and begins standing on the Standing on the boat begins to preach to the men and whoever was left begins to tell them to repent, repent and begins to preach to them. It's noted that he preached mainly on the scripture, Acts chapter 16, verse 31. And it says, and they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. You see John Harper walking on the deck of the Titanic. We know the story, we know the tragedy, but here's a man preaching the gospel to people. He's going to die. His, his life, everything that he knows, he's going to lose it all. It's, this is it. And here he is preaching on the dock, you know, preaching on the deck of the boat. The boat starts to go down, and finally this is it. John Harper leaps, leaps from the boat, like the others were doing, leaps from the boat. And it's noted that he swam in the water and would find somebody that was alive and he would grab him and say, repent, you need to repent. And they would go from one to the nether, and they all died. John Harper gave his life there. What strikes me so much about that story is, is there's so much that could be happening in that moment, but what mattered most was people. John Harper was more worried about people going to heaven than his own life. And, and to be quoted it blows me away to be quoted in his dying breath, pleading with people to turn their life to Christ. I'm like, on my best day, I hope that's a testimony of my life. I hope that I could be a hero like that. But what was the deal? He wasn't thinking about being a hero. He wasn't thinking about well, what are they going to say or what is, I, where's a piece of broken wreckage? I want to I live. He's thinking about people. It mattered to him more than anything else in that moment, people. Something about it. You know, he didn't even know what, who they were, but he knew if they're not saved, if they don't know Jesus, they're going to go in these waters and die. That was the only thing he had to be aware of, the people. The people. I want us to see people that way. Would you stand with me? We must love people. We must look beyond whatever barriers, whatever busyness, whatever thing that's going on in our life. And really get in there and love somebody. Really get in there and care for people. Know them and love them. Be there to love people. Then, when we go to serve, it's going to make all the difference. It's going to make all the difference. Stacy, we're close. You, you run this school here at our church. I know what, what beats inside of you is to get up in the morning and love the kids. And if it wasn't for loving the kids, you could sleep in. But it's the fuel that runs inside of you every day that brings you to this place because you have an opportunity to love kids and to make a difference. You're serving those kids. I'm telling you, you're doing it. You're making it happen.
when kids are screaming, fighting, craziness. You just love them. You take care of them. You're here to love kids. You're here to make a difference in their life. Man, and, and people are doing that all over the all over the place. They're doing it all over this sanctuary. But I want us to see one more person. I want us to get outside of our our safe little space and see people. See down the pew. See them at work. See them with your family. You get it. But I want, want us to love people. Love God. Love people. Then we can serve them. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Talked earlier. You know, talk is talk is cheap. But I want to tell you, earlier we talked about what Jesus did because he loved us so much. God loved us so much that he gave. Loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son. Gave his son Jesus to die on a cross for us. And Jesus took matters into his own hands. And he let those soldiers stretch him out on that cross and crucify him. Because he was dying for our sins. He was paying a price for our salvation. We've messed up. We're lost. We're sinners. We have no hope. But that we confess that Jesus died on the cross for us. And gave his life for us. Then we can be forgiven. Then we can get that new life with him. Then we can share in his love and love him and be everything we've been called to be. With every head bowed and every, every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to invite you. Is there anybody that would like to pray a prayer to give their heart to the Lord? Maybe you haven't done it before. Or maybe you need to rededicate your life. But today you're touched because the story of Jesus paying the price for your sins, you believe it. And you want in on it. And you want it to make a difference in your life. Is there anybody here this morning that would like to pray? You can just raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. You, you don't have to literally say it, but you can just raise a hand signifying that, yeah, that's you. Is there anybody at all? Okay. Well, I want us to pray. We're going to pray that God would just help us to have his heart and to have his eyes and to see the world around us like we need to, to see people. Let's pray that today. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we just thank you and praise you and honor you. God, we thank you that in this house today, everybody is saying that they're good, that they have the relationship with you, God, that you're called them to. They've asked you into their hearts and lives, and they're saved. So, God, I pray that you would touch us and deal with us now. God, that we would have your heart, have your mind, have your eyes to see people, to serve people, to share the gospel, the message with people, to share with people everything that we are, God, so that you can make the difference in their life. I pray that you would touch our hearts. Help us to have people on our mind this week. When we wake up tomorrow morning, help us to see past our own prejudice to see past our own schedule, our own few friends. God, help us to see past all that stuff and to see what you're calling us to and what you want to do inside of us. Help us to see what nobody else does. In the mighty name of Jesus, help us to be the church, Lord. Amen and amen.
Praise God. Praise God. We want to uh, once again invite you to serve at respite this weekend on Friday. Be wonderful to have you here. And I want you to know this. Everybody freeze right where you are. Freeze. Freeze. You can finish putting the purse on your shoulder if you need to, you know. When we do this thing called respite, when we take care of these families, they come in, they're, we're giving the parents, the guardians a break. We take care of the kids and we let them, let them go and be off for a few hours. This is the thing about it. We can take kids based on the number of volunteers. If we have five people sign, let's say we have six people volunteer sign up, we can take three kids. If we have 50 people sign up, we can take 25. That's usually what we do is about 25 kids. We need volunteers. We need people to help. And your help, just by saying, yep, I'm going to be there, that makes all the difference in the world. We want to serve those kids. You can get signed up through the church app. You can call the office, talk to Missy, and get, get connected there. And also, we want uh, help. You know, everybody, of course, come to the concert on Saturday night at 6 o'clock. It's going to be awesome. But we also are looking for people to help afterwards, get the church ready for the next day and before uh, to make sure it's all ready. And you can get connected to Nicole to help serve there, or you can call the church office. God bless you all. And remember, tonight is church at 6 o'clock. Pastor Cameron Jones is going to be preaching. This is our revival night, first night of the month, first Sunday night of the month. We'll see you then. God bless you all. Have a wonderful day.